with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The two disciples recounted what had taken place on the way and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of bread. While they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. And then he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and at my feet. That is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you can see, I have. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he asked them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of baked fish, and he took it and he ate it in front of them. And he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and arise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Many of you are familiar with the heroic Jesuit priest by the name of Father Walter Chiswick. He went into the Soviet Union as a priest in 1941, was arrested as a Vatican spy, and spent the next 23 years of his life in Soviet prisons and labor camps in Siberia. He wrote a book, a small book, called He Leadeth Me. It's a book worth reading. When he was released, people were shocked. All of his friends and relatives thought that he was dead. They couldn't believe that he'd come back to life. But they could say, all right, we were mistaken. But we're glad that you're alive. He'd never been dead. It was once reported that Teddy Roosevelt had died. 
Teddy Roosevelt wrote a letter to the origin of the rumor saying, reports of my death are very exaggerated. How many stories are there in history of people who were thought to be dead who have come back to life? But nothing like this. Nothing like the resurrection. Modern scripture scholars would like to suggest, first of all, our Lord's miracles never happened. What a foolish thing to say. The scriptures testify to them. They would also suggest that the resurrection is a communal memory, a communal event, a spiritual experience. That's not what the gospel says. The gospels in particular drive home the point that this is a real resurrection. Our Lord is there in the flesh. He has come back, but not as he once was, not to the ordinary life, but to a radically new form of existence, such as we do not know and yet for which we are all destined. That's essential in the gospel. Today's gospel is very direct about that. Our Lord appears to the apostles, and he says, Peace be with you. Now, first of all, some strange things are happening with him now. First of all, he doesn't come and go anymore. He simply appears and vanishes with disturbing suddenness. He comes through walls and doors. And so we are told that they were terrified and startled. Who wouldn't be? They think they're seeing a ghost. They think it's simply a spiritual experience, as happened once before when he walked to them across the water. And our Lord is, our Lord is very direct. He says, why are you troubled? Why do questions arise in your hearts? And then he, he proves that he is, in fact, risen from the dead, and he is the same Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. And he does it, as we know, not by the majesty of his appearance, not by the dignity of his voice. He shows them his wounds. That's how he will recognize them, his hands, his feet, his side, as he did with Thomas. And by the way, of course, that's how he will recognize us when we go before him in judgment by our wounds. I mentioned once before that in a vision that one of the desert fathers had, one of the abbots, he saw the devil and remarked that the devil had no knees. Uh, It was pointed out once also by Bishop Sheen, the devil has no wounds. Uh, You and I must have them to appear before him. In any event, he shows them his hands and his feet. And they're still shocked. They still are in disbelief. You know, there's something about awe. We've lost that sense. Uh, We can read this and sort of nod, and it's a nice, all right, I believe that. But we've lost the sense of awe that they had. I was speaking to a group of um, parents for First Communicants yesterday. I was remarking on how children, some of you little children know this, have a greater sense of awe than we do today because we've gotten so used to the world. As an example I used, remember the first time you took your children to a zoo and the first time a little child saw a live elephant for the first time. Remember the look on their face when they saw that animal. All of the pictures and all of the movies in the world don't don't equal a single live elephant. There's something awesome about that. You and I have gotten used to elephants. They don't shock us anymore. Neither do lions or polar bears or whales or uh, hippopotamus, but we've gotten used to them. But children are in awe. We have got to get back to that sense of awe. And so he says, touch me, not just look. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see, I have. And he he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. You know, in the early church, you remember there was a group of people, a, a heresy called Gnosticism. Every heresy begins with Gnosticism. We finally got it right. The church is wrong. Uh, We have this special knowledge that no one else has, and so you need to follow us. 
The Gnostics, amongst other things, believed that matter was impure and even evil. Uh, and therefore, they didn't believe in the incarnation. It just couldn't be. What a horrifying thought uh, that God would take on matter as the Jews and the Muslims are shocked at the idea. But in any event, so much so that what, what they said was this. When you and I recite the creed, as we will shortly, we say that our Lord encountered the Virgin Mary and became man. That's true. They wouldn't deal with the incarnation. They said that the second person of the Trinity came in to the man Jesus, suffered and died, and when the man Jesus died, that was it. The gospel denies that. They insist, the gospels insist, he rose from the dead and remains in his human nature for all eternity. To drive that point home, St. John, in the prologue to his gospel, I've been mentioning over and over again, didn't say the word became man. He said the word became flesh. In other words, he became one of us and remains one of us for all eternity with his wounds. That's a really important distinction. But So our Lord shows them, himself to them, and they are still incredulous for joy and are amazed. Doubt's a funny thing, isn't it? Um, our world is full of doubts. But doubt, deliberate doubt, is a sin. You might say, well, I can't help it if I have questions. Doubts are not the same thing as questions. We all have questions because we live with mystery. God is a mystery. We have questions about God. The church is a mystery. The sacraments are a mystery. We have questions. We want, and the church will give us answers, but sometimes no answer can be given because the mystery is just beyond us. A doubt is when I deliberately suspend judgment in the face of, of evidence, of proof. I don't want to believe. I will doubt. So a thousand questions, as Cardinal Newman said, a thousand questions don't equal one doubt. We can question forever, but we know because we have faith. In any event, our Lord then finally says, have you anything here to eat? They give him a piece of baked fish, and he eats it in front of them. Now they know, at least now, that he is who he says he is. As Pope Benedict said last week, um, we know that he is truly risen. He is alive. In fact, Pope Benedict referred to the resurrection, I, I like this, in quotation marks, as an evolutionary leap. Not in the sense of Darwin, but in the sense that humanity is going into an entirely new form of existence, which we have no experience, and yet for which every one of us yearns, without even thinking about it. We yearn to, for a perfection of existence that we know we don't have now. Uh, don't we? We know we don't have that existence now. There's something missing. There's something more that we want, something we desire, because it's built into us, this perfection, this desire for glorification, a glorified body. Uh, uh, what was that, that great poem that Monsignor Knox translated? Upon the third day from death rose he, clothed in light, in what light in heaven shall be. Uh, our deserving faith unswerving, alleluia. So we then are dealing with this reality in our own lives. And the apostles then are told they are to be so transformed by what they've experienced that the world will know it. You are witnesses of these things. That's, the, that's a command. You are witnesses of these things as you and I are witnesses of these things. How? In the same way, as I said, our Lord does not appear to them in the upper room coming through doors as a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It is once he does it, but he means that to remain. He, rem he means each one of us to experience what they experience, but through the eyes of faith. We have to have that faith. 
as he comes to us. Because with us, he doesn't come and go either, does he? He appears and vanishes. He comes to us in his body and blood. He rose then, his body and blood, soul and divinity. He comes to us in the same way, in the Eucharist, of course, and that's how we are going to see him. And he will say the same thing to us. He says, look at my hands and my feet. Touch me and see. And in our case, if we're in the state of grace, receive as well. That's our experience of this. As I said, we cannot find it perfectly anywhere else. He's always with us wherever we go, spiritually. But that's not all he is, and that's not the resurrection. The resurrection insists upon that reality, and God knew that we would too, so he gave this to us. But, like the apostles, as soon as we have received this, we are commanded to be witnesses of these things that we have seen. I'm always so sorry to see people, again, leave the church for obvious reasons, but particularly because they are now going to run after the one thing they had and never realized or understood. The most important thing in their lives, the greatest experience of Jesus Christ anyone can ever have, is left behind to chase after an illusion or just a spiritual experience, which is what we were not meant to have. We were meant to have it all. So we then come to enter into the resurrection. We do. And unlike the apostles, we now have faith. Hopefully not because we're used to it the way we're used to elephants, but because we believe and we will now allow ourselves to be changed by what we have received. We can't do it on our own. All we have to do is open ourselves up to the Eucharistic Lord and he will do it. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you rejoicing in the resurrection of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the church throughout the world, Her members will always be visible signs of Jesus Christ crucified and truly risen from the dead, especially the church persecuted and suffering. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For all nations of the world, especially our own, that they will be attentive to the reality of the resurrection and be converted. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For all those who are sick and suffering and dying, that they may know that they bear in their suffering the wounds and the victory of Jesus Christ. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost faith and left the resurrection, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For greater respect for human life, especially life in the womb, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will be visible signs of the resurrection in a unique way for a greater respect for the witness of marriage and the single life and for its heroism, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that having first encountered the resurrection in their own lives, they may then be visible signs of it. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, the eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, But having 
in faith experience the risen Lord, we may then proclaim him and bring others to him, we pray to the Lord. Lord, Once again, during the Easter season, um, we will sing uh, the antiphon proclaiming Christ's victory in the Christus Vincit. Christus.